the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Language and communication have always been keen interests and observations of mine. At Metro Station Concord, line one, for example, as the train arrives, an ambiguous announcement goes on what feels like forever, and I have no idea what it's saying, until an English translation succinctly warns, mind the gap. Oh, interesting, all those words in French to say, mind the gap. Attention à la marche en descendant du train. Almost three French words to one in English. No wonder it's such a difficult language to learn. Mind the Gap was an expression coined in the 60s for the London Underground, which warns about the distance between the subway door and the platform. And in French, it turns out that what I hastily described as an ambiguous announcement actually has a name. It's an Alexandrine, a line of poetic meter composed of 12 syllables common in French poetry of the early modern and modern periods used in drama in English before Marlowe and Shakespeare by whom it was supplanted by iambic pentameter. Who knew? <laughs> My humblest apologies to the RATP and once again I bow down before the French using poetry to help the crush of commuters at its metro stations to mind the gap truth is, our lives are replete with gaps we need to mind. Gaps between hearts and minds, between thoughts and words, gaps between what we say and what we do, gaps between how we want to live and how we actually live, endless gaps between the inner and outer realities of our lives, gaps we need to mind, it has been thus and ever so. Israel's storytellers unashamedly expose the gaps between any lofty ideas we might have about God and the character of Yahweh presented in the narrative we heard this morning about King David's rise to power and kingship. In the first part of the story, the Lord summons Samuel to go to Jesse in Bethlehem to anoint a new king. Samuel is justifiably hesitant. There already is a king, and if a sitting king hears you are about to anoint a new king, you're asking for trouble. How can I go, Samuel asks. If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord straight away tells Samuel, I know. Take an animal with you and tell the elders of the city you've come to offer a peaceable sacrifice to the Lord. In other words, tell a little lie or what Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann calls a divinely authorized deception in which Yahweh will stop at nothing to move the kingship toward David. Mind the gap between our lofty ideas about the divine and the down-to-earth humanity with which the ancient storytellers often depict the divine. So the deception works and Samuel is inside the city with his horn of oil, primed to anoint the new king. The drama continues as Samuel gets Jesse's sons to parade before him like contestants on The Bachelor. 
More advice from the Lord, this time on the job profile. Don't fall for looks or height or stature because, you know, I, the Lord, look upon the heart. And then, after no less than seven sons are passed by and rejected, the divine connects with her inner material girl after all and chooses and anoints the one with gorgeous eyes who will eventually dazzle both men and women. Mind the gap between the job profile and the hire. And even though King David becomes a revered figure in Israel's history, somewhere in and around the land of Canaan, Uriah the husband of Bathsheba and a future soldier in King David's army is not pleased with the Lord's choice. Would that the Lord had not chosen the youngest and the most attractive of them all, because Uriah will eventually lose his wife and his life to the ruddy and handsome king. Mind the gap between personal behavior and public greatness in the kingdom of Israel and the kingdoms of the world. A mere 15 verses into the Gospel of Mark, Jesus had proclaimed that the dawning of another kingdom was at hand, the kingdom of God, a kingdom. His listeners had been raised on the victory stories of their ancestors. They knew what a kingdom looked like, and if the kingdom of God was at hand, they wanted it to break into their oppressed lives now, visibly and powerfully, and fix everything. Jesus knew they had plenty of images and ideas and expectations for God as king of the kingdom and for what an anointed Messiah king should look like. On the surface, Jesus attracts their attention by healing lepers and casting out demons, but deeper down, something about him doesn't quite fit the job profile. Mind the gap. With a crush of listeners clamoring to hear him, Jesus begins to teach about the kingdom of God, but he addresses the crowd sounding a lot more like a poet on stage than a king or messiah. And here I want to channel Lucinda Ardeen and former actress, because I imagine Jesus with one hand on his chest, like sweeping his arm across the crowds and staring off slightly elevated in the horizon saying, with what can we compare the kingdom of God and what parable will we use for it? He continues, it is like a mustard seed, the smallest of the seeds on earth, which grows up and becomes the greatest of the shrubs. A mustard seed, the kingdom of God, the greatest of the shrubs? I mean, sure, the smallest of the seeds becomes the greatest of the shrubs, but at the end of the day, a shrub is a shrub and not the expected Messiah metaphor for the kingdom of God. The mustard seed is used to get their attention, to get our attention, to drive home the point that the message of hope proclaimed by Jesus is vastly different than the limited human vision of greatness shared by leaders and kings and crowds and probably most of us too. Jesus uses poetry in the language of parables to help us to mind the gap between our expectations and his for what it means to live in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at hand, is near. Elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus will say definitively that the kingdom of God is within. 
And here is the dramatic turning point in their history, in their lives, in ours. There is no longer a gap in the reality between the divine and the human, between the temporal and the eternal, between heaven and earth. God is not somewhere out there. Heaven is not somewhere up there. The power and presence of God is not in the past or in the future. There is no distance, no gap to mind. God is within, here, and now. No longer are we looking for some power out there to sweep in and fix everything. The answers are within, where God is and where love resides. And this changes everything if we have ears to hear. And if we're listening, our rabbi's teaching redirects our entire being to the cultivation of the life and wisdom within, where the kingdom of God is, where the spirit is, where Christ is. From now on, therefore, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. New, because you will grow within exponentially, like a mustard seed, and you will be one with the things that matter. There is no gap to mind. This changes everything. One of the most recurring questions I get as a priest was asked of me by the 20-somethings on the recent retreat I led with Simon and Kristen. What is God's purpose for my life? And often the question is posed as if there's just one thing and if I could find it and do it, all would be well. I've never been able to quite fathom God as career counselor for my life, much less for yours, but here was my response. What do you want to do with your life? Because the only place to find the answer is within, where God already is. So don't be afraid. In fact, it's essential that you ask emphatically, what do you want to do? So the answer will not come from your mother, from your father, or your teacher, or your boss, or your priest, or your best friend. The answer will be your own. My counsel to the 20-somethings was to begin now to cultivate the daily habits that will help you to find your way and to find your voice. And I gave them two practices, one that involved their hands and one that involved their feet. The first was to write in a journal and to ask daily where you experience the most love and life or the least love and life on that day. A place to ask and answer questions that check in with yourself and connect you with yourself daily where God is. The second practice was to use the Latin expression, solvitur ambulando, it is solved by walking. To use even the practice of walking as a time of meditative attention to connect with your body and to listen to the voice within where God is. Learning to trust yourself, your instincts, your voice is the journey of a lifetime. So whatever your age, learn to make it your path now and not someone else's. Start by asking, what do I want to do? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? 
They seem like the simplest of questions, but trust me, the answers are not always forthcoming. And it can take a lot of years and a lot of practice to tune out the other voices and expectations that keep the gap widened between you and the presence of God within you. How do you get to the kingdom of God? Same answer as directions to Carnegie Hall. Practice, practice, practice. How will you know if you're doing what God wants you to do? You will know you are on the right path in a job or in any one of life's many relationships if, like the mustard seed, you grow and you flourish wildly. You will know you are doing the right things if the birds of the air make nests in your branches. In other words, if you make room for other people to take their share and their care in your life. And I know today there are many in our midst who know exactly what they want to do and where they want to be, but external circumstances take them elsewhere, away from this community and this beautiful city that God so loves. For them and for all of us, what if God's purposes will always be in simply loving well and letting that love make a difference in the world wherever we land and find ourselves? What if love is what we're supposed to be doing and our primary purpose in life is simply to love well? Loving well is Jesus' vision of human greatness and growth in the kingdom of God, hence the parable of the mustard seed. Because it's love that narrows the gap between our inner and outer lives. And there's nothing we can't face when we mind the gap to find the life within, the love within, the kingdom of God within. In a force more powerful than any king's army, God's voice within strings syllables to say, love well, grow wildly like a mustard seed, and indeed, all will be well. Amen.